Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to designer, artist, writer and super-duper fun person, Daryl Thorpe, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before you get into it, if you enjoy the show today, please share it with your friends and family, either online or offline. The more ears, the merrier. That's in a listening sense and not in a crazed serial killer sense. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Daryl Thorpe. How are you doing? I am A.O. Kizzle. <laughs> Excellent. How are you? Yeah. My, my M3, M4 corridor buddy. Yeah, um, I know, right? Yeah, we're, uh, we're ripping it up. <laughs> we are. We are the G's of the uh, east and west side, I believe. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> West of the M3, uh, yeah. I am. Um, yeah, in amazing state. In amazing it? state, that's right. <laughs> Um, and then you're you're ripping it up in uh, in Maidenhead. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's called Mainhead though. I've always wondered that if there was an it's actual Maidens' Heads. Funny name, isn't it? Yeah. Or did Maidens go there to lose their heads? Ooh, or or the opposite? I don't know. I don't want to we'll get too big on this. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Daryl Thorpe, thank you so much for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. Uh, I'm today. very excited. It's a real, real pleasure to to finally get to speak to you at length because uh, I saw you at, at True Believers this year yes, and uh, it was yeah. kind of really passing conversations. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's great to properly catch up in person. Um, and for uh, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? What do I do in the world of comics? Um, I attempt to illustrate and uh, write comics. Uh, I am the creator of uh the freedom realm um, and the first kind of uh, one shot comic that came out of that was Errol versus evil last year. And uh, I'm currently working on a comic called uh, Baron and the cat. So um, yeah, I, uh, Brilliant. yeah. There you go. And, uh, is, there, is there any kind of tidbits about that? Yeah, sure. Why not? Things? I love talking about myself. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> so, um, so Error vs. Evil was basically my kind of uh, beat-em-up style sort of comic that I created. And that was kind of a, an organic tumbling along of watching his bonehead basically fight beasts and stuff and then uh, kind of trying to level up to get into the Peace Brigade, who are these ragtag bunch of uh, fighters that are in the freedom realm. And then the one I'm working on at the moment basically is about uh, this dude called uh, the Baron and uh, he wants to create like a legacy. So his idea is to climb the unclimbable Dum Dum Mountains and right at the beginning he uh, falls over this cat um, and basically everyone in this bar kind of laughs at him and he has complete contempt for this cat because he's just like <laughs> made him like a fool. And the cat being the cat is like because he's obviously touched the cat the cat's thinking oh this guy likes me he's pretty cool like <laughs> i just want to get some cat love so basically the cat follows baron and baron just constantly wants to try and get rid of cat and the tale is basically these two kind of characters going up the dum-dum mountain and things that they encounter and can they overcome him and uh Will they ever find peace with one another? So I kind of always say it's a bit like Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner, you know, like Brilliant. 
but it's just the cats where he's there, not meaning to be annoying, but he's very annoying. And all Baron wants to do is have this epic, deep journey, but it keeps getting interrupted by this little cat just going prowl <laughs> every five <laughs> minutes. So, yeah, that's the ridiculous thing I'm working on at the moment. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and and when's that plan to come out? Well, it has come out for June. That's my right. uh, that's my deadline for that. Yeah, and it might be a Kickstarter again, um, right. depending on uh, like how it all goes. But my general goal is to get the artwork done before the Kickstarter kind of launches, so that when the Kickstarter yeah. comes in, I post it out literally four weeks later, and it's job done. And yeah, get on with it really. Uh, yeah, so pretty cool. So, and your um, Kickstarter's pretty much done, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we're, 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 we're floating around a hundred percent. I think we're at ninety nine right now because we 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 <laughs> got to a hundred percent last night, and then yeah. it kind of floated back down this morning. Oh. Um, one of the higher tier awards cancelled, like just one yeah. person. You know, that's all it takes. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're floating back up to 100%. And, you know, we've got six days to go. So it should be uh, should be all good in the hood. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll have to, I think I've got the £5 digital catch-up. So I could probably oh, knock it up to a tenner or something. That might help a bit, hey? Yeah, if you want me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not going to uh, say no. But, uh, yeah, that would no. be greatly appreciated, well, the support. It'd be a shame if it not to happen. Favor, mate. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a shame if it not to happen. Because it's one of those things. Some kicks off you back and you think, you kind of know them. You're like, oh, well, I should probably like help out. You know, they've helped me out sort of thing. And, yeah. But you're not really excited about it but i stumbled across yours by accident from memory um and i was like oh this is pretty cool then i met you on twitter yes and then i think i backed you on once i met you on twitter we were chatting a bit and then the more i read the more i got excited about it and i think you picked it as being like um oh it's like is it Star Trek and that's it? It's Star Trek with a Victorian twist. That was it. Yeah, my, uh, and I was like, one, ooh. <laughs> and then suddenly I was like, okay, this has to happen now. And I thought you did it, and then you're like, oh, it's not made. It. I was like, damn, <laughs> 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 you must push this over the line. <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, but uh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, um, cool. more support the better. Um, but but in terms of all of uh, all of your work where where yes. can people find it and kind of be notified about when kickstarters go yeah. live and and whatnot i am i'm going to be honest i am awful at publicizing things like things for sale but <laughs> um and updates and stuff like that but if you go to twitter or instagram uh, mm. i'm at mr forp which is mr and then f o r p e um and you can find me on uh, on like my website. It's just forp.co.uk. But all the links are in my bios and things like that. I think on uh, Instagram you can worryingly call me, which um, okay, yeah, not saying people should call me. I'm just yeah, it's happened a couple of times. <laughs> and then people go, oh god, I wasn't meant to do that. And then they just put the phone down. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, if if people just kind of search search for you on. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, they'll be able to find all your stuff. And of course, yeah. those uh, those links are in the show notes as well. They, they need to be careful as well. They oh, need yeah. to be very careful because, I mean, you can probably already tell, listeners, hello, uh, but as soon as I start talking or engaging with people, that is it. 
you are screwed. <laughs> like I saw Tony at uh, Comic Mart, and bless him, I think I just kept him there for hours because he was just. I could. There's a point where we we're just chang and chang, and we both looked at each other and stopped and dead quiet and went, "Probably should go now." <laughs> <laughs> we just went our separate ways, but uh, yeah, I'm terrible for just well, like I'm doing now, yammering on. So. Oh, yammering's good. Yammering's He's good, particularly a for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, with with that in mind, I do have some bad news for you, Daryl. So uh, unfortunately, there has been an asteroid that has hit the Earth, and we've fallen into uh, an asteroid apocalypse. Uh, so uh, there's devastation obviously around the asteroid uh, but on the on the preceding years there's going to be uh, years of, of cold weather basically um, and uh, farming and agriculture are kind of going downhill food production is is very very low and kind of there's uh, there's only scraps of food uh, in uh, in certain places where they've kind of got stores basically um, and my question is for you, what's your plan of action for survival? Well, give up, I guess. This sounds horrific. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Roll over and die. No, um, what would I do? I mean, I'm a bit of an outdoors guy anyway, so yeah. um, I'd probably grab all of my polar gear at this point. Awesome. Um, yeah, that would be my first thing. I'd probably grab a my... Um, climbing sack of all my ropes and all the bits and bits and kits and now my camping gear stick in the back of the old Passat because it's the beast nice yeah I'm a big down sleeping bag so I'd probably gear stuff together I don't think I'd stay in my house because I live in the middle of nowhere so it's kind of like I'm gonna starve by the sounds of it um so I guess yeah I guess I'd just set out I mean and you know I imagine at this point there's probably going to be vigilantes out there, like getting fuel. There will be eventually. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess at the moment I'm just going to make sure that I've got warm gear, that I can sleep and keep myself warm and safe, and then I've got bits around me to make fire and stuff like that. I guess. Yeah. And oh, a radio. I would take a radio because you always see that on those films, then you. Oh always... yeah, yeah. You need yeah. a CV radio. <laughs> like, like a radio station can keep going. For an apocalypse, where every other form of communication is out, you know, it's, exactly. I always find that very weird. You know, it's like the TV's off. So we can't do TV, but you know, if you want to listen to a radio, the radio station's still cracking on. I like that. It's Might be up. good. Old yeah. school man. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a great bit of technology that uh, even survives the apocalypse. Um, and so uh, one night when uh, and you and the missus are kind of listening to the radio. Um, uh, the the conversation of of comics comes up, uh, and uh, we, we she yeah uh, misses us. Uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Ah, good question. Now this, I in, this is a good one because I remember thinking, ah, technically it would be like the Fun Day Times or the Beano, or which yeah. is kind of true. But then I was like, well, what was the first comic that got me back into really? wanting to be a part of the comic scene and everything about it, you know. And <clears throat> that comic is uh, un- The Unfabulous Five, uh, published by Humanoids, mm. which is a Lucha Libre um, comic, basically. 
Um, and it's about these kind of gang of five um, luchadors that um, are in this kind of, in their hometown. They're just basically trying to like clean up LA. And they just come up against all these absolutely mad, mad kind of gangs of like werewolves and like, you know, uh, kind of green lagoon monsters and mm. um, like kids and like Frenchmen and like, it's just completely bananas. And the artwork is absolutely gorgeous. And the, the art, the artist on it is called, is just known as Bill. Like, I can't find anything on this guy. All I know is really? when he did it, he was 21. Wow. And every, yeah. And he was like, worked out the, from what I hear, he did the initial idea and concept for the story. And then uh, Jerry Friesen basically then wrote the series. But mm. the artwork is incredible. It's like pencil, yeah. pen and stuff. It's really it's, cool, isn't it? It's really yeah, athletic. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know, it's just brilliant. It is delicious. And... I remember getting it, reading it, and just smashed it, and then read it again and again. So I read it three times on the bounce. And um, I was just so excited by it because I was like, it didn't, I haven't got a problem with Marvel or anything like that, but it was just so different from anything I'd visually seen. Mm. And I used to be really into, like, comics and anime and things like that, and it just had this thing about it where I was like, what on earth is this? Mm. Like, I don't even know where it came from, and I just got super excited and I was looking at the stuff, my kind of street art stuff, and I was thinking, oh, man, I could totally do this comic thing if I wanted to. Like, it doesn't have to be hyper-realistic kind of drawings, which yeah. I'm the best at, let's be honest. Um, I like to make fantastical worlds that people can check out from and not be a part of the real world. So, yeah, I'm Fabulous Five is my favourite first ever comic that got me very excited brilliant and then kind of what age were you there uh, I, think. I was painfully old yeah. yeah, I was like thirty. So, <laughs> yeah, so that, so that reignited it when you when you were yeah. thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah and, I, and how did you come across it? Did you just drop into a comic shop, or was it an online yeah. recommendation? Or? I was basically doing. I was. I remember I was doing uh, some prints and working out. We were working on the first book we were doing, and we were just trying to work out. Like, uh, I think I was working on like wrestlers or something like that. I was working on. This one it was like doing happy ghetto stuff, and from memory we were working on uh, Captain Awesome being this like big old wrestler dude, and he was going to fight Lietti and um, the Cuba, and I was just looking into like luchador art, blah blah blah, and I just saw a couple of snippets of these action shots from Unfabulous Five, and I was like, what on earth is that? And then clicked on it, and then it took me straight to Amazon. And it was like, this is, you know, here's the book. So I bought the book and the book arrived. And I opened it and was like, flipping egg. It's like a full-on comic. And then as soon as I started turning the pages and seeing all these weird creatures and weird gangs, I was like, hang on, you don't even have to have, like, this is exactly what I'm doing. It's like taking technically, like, real human people but then putting aliens and beasts in the same world and having this mm-hmm. play on it. And it was just, yeah, it's a real happy accident, you know. Oh, that's brilliant yeah. um and so the, the the next question that that crops up is yeah. uh, what's the funniest or comic that made you laugh out loud the most there are a lot of comics that make me laugh out loud uh, 
Because I guess I'm just a, all of us really just a big kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I backed um, Bastard Galaxia um, last year. Mm. I've read a couple bits of line. I kind of chuckled to myself. And then the trade came, so I read the trade, and it was just absolutely genius. It's just, I think from our, you're roughly the same age as me, aren't you, I think? Yeah, uh, I'm yeah. 34. Yeah, so yeah, it's about the same, yeah. yeah. Um, so, Barsley Galaxia is, is a story, and I won't say too much, because it would just kill, kill it for everyone, because you can read it online. Um, but it's basically about this... Um, Barsley Galaxia is an evil villain uh, that's like a technical skeletor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got this moon base that looks very questionable, that's what I'll say, because that's another funny little bit of the story. <laughs> and um, the whole premise, really, is about um, getting people to buy more action figures. So basically what um, He-Man was back in the day, it was all about, well, let's do a cartoon to get kids to buy more of these figures. Um, and his biggest nemesis is Brosif Manstar, which is just like <laughs> mullet-wearing, leopard-print-donned kind of beefcake. And there, he's got this, like, um, skull-style sort of abode. And Bastard's like, that has to be my place because I've got a skull for a head. How cool would that be? I mean, they sucked. So it's this whole thing of how he kind of gets into it and you meet his, like, a strange team that have been lost and then find him again. And you go for these kind of little, just absolutely hilarious things, but he's got an ego the size of Jupiter. You know, he's Brilliant. just, like, complete... He's, like, a classic bad guy where he's, you know, just oblivious to everything going on and just kind of throws it, you know, kind of throws it away sort of thing. But... um yeah, Barca Galaxia, you have to, if you haven't read it online, you have to go, go read it, yeah, because it's genius. And uh, so the art's by a dude called Steve Gregson, and it's written by a chap called Matt Simmons. Um, and it's just, um, yeah, Barca Galaxia, man, check it out. Fantastic. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's bastardgalaxia.com. Yes, it, yeah. Just, just off the top of my head, so people can just... Yeah. Go uh, go check that website out, and then you yeah. can just read the read the web comic there, and yeah. you know uh, support them by buying the trade if you want. Yeah, I think um, it's like 170 pages. I mean, it's a yeah. good old nice chunky bit of reading to get get in. You know, yeah, it's yeah. massive. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's that sounds like a like a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Um, and then uh, changing gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, the the next question that comes up is, what's the saddest or most upsetting? <laughs> so this is a t- <laughs> this is a funny one because you, you may love this you may just be like dude that's lame but um <laughs> basically I was, no judgment there no judgment well <laughs> good I, you're in a safe place you're in a yeah, safe exactly. place you're safe we're all fine. friends here <laughs> <laughs> until i get ousted on twitter and like and have my table burnt in front of me or something like that but um <laughs> Yeah, no, basically, I was thinking, I went through loads of books, um, and I was thinking, what's the saddest? And weirdly enough, um, low with which what Dave said on the last uh, podcast you did, 
mm-hmm. that was in my mix of like that's pretty bleak as you said um and there's a quite a few that i've read where i've just been like oh god that's just this is really depressing um but then i tried then i thought switch my thinking over and i was like but what's the saddest comic what's the, the most what's the one thing i've read and gone and been absolutely gutted and that has to be big trouble little china volume four i hate the 80s brilliant because they changed the artist and the writer and it was the very 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 first time when i've been absolutely one to three i was so in love with it and i'll tell everyone about it and how it's a continuation from the film that i'm absolutely obsessed with and loved like probably a lot of us are and it was done um it was i think it was produced i think that's the right word by John Carpenter, so it was so legit. And then Volume Four arrived, and I opened it up, and the artwork was absolutely shocking. It was oh, like no. I was so gutted. I was so I'm gonna, not going to swear, but I was so ah, oh, that guy was a super spongehead for, for, <laughs> for doing what he did. You know, I was like flipping melon. Like, oh, what have you? Painful. Yeah, what, what the on earth have you done to this amazing run? Like you just you come in and you've just completely, you know, killed the most exciting, funniest thing. And I was, I was, yeah. I mean, you can tell in my voice. I'm still seething right now. I, I can feel it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, by volume by volume five, they got rid of him and knew someone else who was also very good. So I was kind of over it, but. It was the first time that, as a comic book fan, that you hear people moaning online about loads of stuff, and you're like, oh, do you go for it? It's a flipping comic. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it, this happened to me, I was just like, I felt super offended. And I was like, first off, I was like, I could do a better job. I mean, I'm not particularly amazing, but I was like, I could do a better job than this. This is ridiculous. The story wasn't bad. It wasn't that the writing yeah. was terrible. It was just the art, the art was lazy. And wow. probably similar to you, if you make write, draw, curate, whatever in comics, when you're reading them, you're also learning. Mm. And every single panel was so, there's hardly any inks at all. And the colorist was kind of having to make up a lot of the image. Really? Yeah, it's awful. And there's this one splash page of, of, of the uh, Port Chop Express. And it was so lazy that it was like, Dude, you haven't even. It's like you spent. I could knock that page out in ten minutes. Like I know I could. Like there's a couple of lines for a truck crashing. It's like sort your flipping life out, you flipping melon. Like wow. you know, just just. It's like you get to draw a truck crashing across two pages. Like yes. you spend some time. Awesome like, opportunity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Is it, and it's like an awesome film. It's Jack Burton. It's not like you're drawing My Little Pony. Not that I've got anything against that. I'm just saying I wouldn't enjoy it. But <laughs> big trouble. I was just like, it, you just choose an artist that actually wants to do it. So yeah. I was so sad. It crushed me into pieces. And I just thought, that's the comic book industry, isn't it? That's that's everything yeah. everyone says that's wrong with it. It's just, it's not how good you are. It's not talent or whatever. It's about who you know, what you know, and and kind of getting your, your your neck in through the door. And I'm not saying that's always the case, but it was just one of those little things where you see and you think, "Well, hang on, this isn't this is rubbish." 
like, surely there's better people in the world than this guy who's doing this. And I think I've seen his artwork and other stuff, and it's not bad. It just wasn't right for this. Did you know yeah. So yeah, it's very a bad call on their front, and uh, I mean that's really sad, isn't it? When it is, man. Uh, they've kind of, you know, yeah, it's been a successful, uh, you know, uh, story up to that point, and then yeah. kind of throw it all away. Yeah, and you kind um, of feel yeah. like, you know, as a reader, you're paying to read the next bit of the story, and you suddenly feel like that, you know, do they even care about the reader at that point? Yeah. Like, Exactly. You're producing yeah, there's no soul to this. No, and it's That's like you feel offended. Like you just, why have you done that? It's just not. It's not very nice of you. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that, that's actually making me sad right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm bringing the pod right down like this. See, I mean, it's pretty good. I'd be right now if I was in like you know an apocalypse where everything was snow and ice and freezing and miserable and the world was yeah. going to end. That would probably hit me over the edge thinking about that now. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna try and change gears a little bit. I'm still kind of on the uh, on the negative emotions, yeah. but uh, what's what's the scariest, almost horrifying comic for you? I don't generally read um, a lot of mega horror. I don't read a lot of mm. horror comics. No. Um, I read stuff like, you know, it's not really horror, but like, you know, BPRD and stuff like that and uh, right. Old Boy and stuff, but it's not really, I wouldn't say it's horror, horror. Um, you know, Vince Hunt, he always goes on about a lot of horror things that he reads and um mm. I always forget them the time I go and look for them and stuff. So I kind of I'd like to get reading a few more horror things because you know, I'm a fan of horror, I guess, but just not in comics. I, I, I watch more of the film side of it. But that said, the grimmest uh, comic I've ever read uh, is uh, Fubar, um, the sword one. Oh, Christ, I forgot what the uh, yeah, by the sword, by the sword. Thank you, um, and. I came across it on Comic House, and I was like, everyone's always talked about this, I should probably just read it. And it was huge. It's like, you know, 100 God knows how many pages. It was, it was so big. Like, wow. And I just dived in, and it's like each artist, there's a different artist per like story, and it's just tons of stories. And it's basically mm. like, um, oh, here we go. Yeah, no, it's 25 tales. Um, but it's basically like all these armies, um taking on different types of armies from different periods of time so you've got like Genghis Khan you've got kind of like medieval England you've got like Vikings you've got like samurais uh, you know right up to kind of modern combat and things like that um, but it's really brutal it's so graphic and there are bits in it where it's like so violent and I'm looking at the page like oh, I could actually that guy's head is literally being split in two and Oh my and gosh. Brains being pulled out through that guy's eyes. That's pretty. And it was so graphic. I remember watching it and being like, oh God, that is just brute. That is so brutal. <laughs> you know, like sometimes when you read some comics where there's like violence and stuff in it, which I read a, a fair bit of them, it's still a comic. So you don't really, it doesn't feel. Mm. I think because this was just like hundreds of pages of like <laughs> everyone was just like, it starts off with like zombies ripping stuff apart. More ripping apart, ripping apart, ripping apart, ripping apart, and then you kind of finish it, and everyone's dead. There's no plot. There's no plot spoiler in football. People just die. <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh pretty bleak. So yeah, that was my that's my most. Well, I just didn't. didn't yeah, 
It was very horrifying. <laughs> it was, yeah. Just five yeah. minutes. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Epic. I mean, that's on the Comic House app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think that app's pretty good for things like that because it made me want to read other ones. I haven't yet sought yeah. any more out, but um, it's a pretty good app for kind of dipping your toe into like different kind of books and series and things like that and kind of get a taste for it. Like they've yeah, got okay. stuff on there like uh, Ash Evil versus Evil Dead and stuff, which is pretty good. So I've been reading a few bits of those and um, and sometimes you find some absolute howlers and you're like, oh, thank God I didn't, you know. Yeah, it that. happens. It does. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's what's great about the indie world though, isn't it? Because it's all, yeah. some of it's killer and some of it's filler. So yeah, it's all good, man. Cool. Um, and so the next question that uh, that comes up is, is what's the most meaningful comic to you? So this is um, this is a fun book because it's meaningful for quite a few reasons. Uh, and I've always heard that I stumbled across uh, No Brow. Um, publishers when i was really into illustration street stuff and i was literally focused on just doing illustration and i wasn't really fussed about comics because i just didn't think i could really do it very well um mm. so it's kind of like the early days and i stumbled across <clears throat> no Brow because their premise was that they used illustrators to make comics which is why their stuff is always so different i feel to some of the mainstream comic publishers right um and I came across the book uh, Hilda and the Troll. Um, and it turned up on my door. And it was classic, no brow, like quite big, well-made, beautiful mm. illustrations by Luke Pearson. And I just saw pictures of it, and it was quite cheap. I think it was like 10 quid for a hardback. hardback. Right. And the first page you open, you get introduced to Hilda, who's this little tenacious adventurous girl and she's kind of out in the rain and um i just suddenly went straight back to being a kid again and being in my grandparents garden in their old canvas tent and hearing the rain like tapping on the top of it and Mm. kind of being in there and being like feeling like i'm on the most amazing adventure underneath the apple tree in the garden and every single word and her experience is about feeling like there's nothing better like feeling warm and snug inside your tent when you know outside is freezing and wet sort of thing and the way that Luke Pearson kind of illustrated it wrote about it was really kind of touched on me being younger and also on top of that again it was another comic a bit like Unfabulous Five where I just was like this is another completely different way of looking at comics it's kind of for kids but grown-ups I'm like really enjoying it as as an adult um, I was like, if I ever had kids, I totally want to read this to them. The colours were beautiful, the line work was beautiful, and I just was like, it compelled me even more to start like kind of venturing into the world of trying to make comics because I felt like it for the first time looking at it that, that what comics did if if it's done right <clears throat> and written and illustrated by the right person, it suddenly breathes life into an illustration that looks beautiful but you suddenly have this huge narrative that then runs into it and you can really fall in love with the character Mm. and i think with especially luke pearson stuff like his his work is so 
just crisp and beautiful. And you've seen his progression of this world kind of build. But I think you can appreciate his work for the sheer beauty that it is. But now that he's got this, um, like, world going on, you're suddenly just connected to the character and you just fall in love with the artwork even more. Um, so it's a real driving force of, like, that's how I like to build worlds. That's how I want freedom to be. This like, deep, rich world that people just kind of fall in love with the characters and there's so much about them. And if each person's got a personality because... I care about, you know, what they are and who they are. And I think, um, so that was the kind of like the first bit. And then the second layer to that was um, when the Netflix animated series came out. Mm. I watched that with some kids, uh, my friend's kids, because my friends obviously don't watch cartoons because they're not cool like me. <laughs> and <laughs> and I had it on my cartoon watch list and the kids would come around and we were watching turtles and all sorts of stuff. And I was like, oh, have you watched children? They're like, no. And it's like, right, strapping kids. Watch <laughs> You're going to love this. You're going to love this. And we sat there for hours just watching like all these episodes. And then I showed them the comics and they were getting really excited. But then she had a voice and then she had like, it was slightly more tweaked and tuned. And suddenly they got another deeper understanding, a deeper love for the kind of comic and it just got me even more excited because I like, oh, imagine if mom was animated and you know it starts getting you dreaming and thinking and like putting you know just all these ideas of grandeur in your head and then I was lucky enough to meet Luke at Nottingham Comic Con uh, last year right. and uh, I chatted to him for a while and he's with uh, Tony Esmond because he was looking after the no-brow table um, mm. and Luke chatted to me for a bit who's super lovely. He drew Hilda's and everything in all my books. I've got like every single book and I've got soft bound books. We've got figures and he drew it all and was like, you know, your stuff's cool. I've seen it. And just a really generally nice, lovely person. And to the point where you're like, man, this guy is giving so much all the time and he's so mm. humble. And you're just, it was just the whole series to me. I just feel so connected to it. And it's such a, an instigator. And for that, it's just like so meaningful. You know, it's, a, it's that point where you have a book or a comic or you meet people that you like or interact with and you're suddenly just like, it's what makes the comic industry and the indie comic scene and people like No Brown and everything so special because you're just like, you know, it just um, feeds the fans and, you know, kind of you just... It's weird. You feel rewarded for being able to be to buy the book. Do you know what I mean? It's quite bizarre, but yeah. Very well. I mean, it's it's amazing when you really get engaged with a with a world, and that's yeah. what it is. It's not just a story anymore. Right. It's actually become its own world in your head. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just so amazing yeah. when you have that feeling and you just want to kind of you know embrace it all and you yeah. know, take those extra steps and yeah yeah um, it's it, it's great when that happens isn't it yeah it was funny because basically there's a free on free comic book day there's another hilda uh comic mm. and i missed it and i was doing um uh free comic book day with uh Spa Town Comics. It's right. Dan Marier and Lisa Nelson. Who's Lisa Marier now because I'm married. Sorry, Lisa. Um, <laughs> and I was there drawing all day and doing comic book classes with these kids and teaching them how to draw comics and stuff. 
And I missed the Hilda comics. Hilda got whipped up by the kids. And then that um, autumn, I went to Thought Bubble, went and bought a few bits from No Brows, I usually do, because I just seem to, I just completely eat everything that's No Brow. I'm obsessed with them. And I said to the, the woman who was running at the time, I was like, really gutted, like, missed out on free comic book day, um, just didn't know what happened to Hilda. I was really interested if it was a new story, if it's taken from a book they've already got. And in the last book, something happened, and I'm not going to spoil it for anyone in case I haven't read it, but I got to the end of the, I think it's the fifth one, maybe. Is it five? No, it's definitely five. And I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen? You know, and... She, I came, she came out to me later in at the Four Bubble show, and she was like, "Oh, uh, dude, I scored you a free comic book day." And I was like, "What?" It's like, yeah, "Here you go." And wow. I was like, "Oh my god, thanks!" I was like, "Are you serious?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, like you clearly love it, and um, you know, we have had a few copies at No Brown and got some here, so yeah, no, totally, it's a free comic book day, but you're welcome." I was like. This is publisher that they've just given me like this um, this comic. They've just generally heard what I said and gone, oh, here you go. And I read it and was just like, you know, it made it even worse because it was even more of a flipping cliffhanger. So mm-hmm. I said to Luke, I was like, dude, you need to get on with this like, sixth comic because, I mean, I've been hanging out for over a year and uh, kind of worried. That's <laughs> 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 just going to play out. But she laughed at. He didn't actually give me an answer, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, isn't that amazing though? Just how that's when you can tell that people care about what they're making, which is important. A bit like with what you do, your comic, I guess you care about people reading, people's reading experience of it. You know, you, you, you care about how it's kind of perceived and, um, making sure that everyone's enjoying the world that you're building and you've got a passion for what you're doing as well. So yeah, I just don't think I out of everything I own, that's definitely the thing where um every time I read it, I'm just, you know, just excited to read it again and I'm I know and I'm even more excited that I've got sketches by Luke in the front of them. I'm just like, Oh my god, I'm gonna have to buy more copies so my kids don't screw this up. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, well, it's uh, one to uh one to keep safe and one to yeah, read. Indeed. Really, isn't it? One for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I highly recommend doing that. because um, they will trash it. Yeah. Milk <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exactly. Um but uh, that's great thing that is um to to, to feel that. Um, and uh, kind of going from uh, something that's uh, kind of very meaningful and kind of fairly well known um, to uh, the next question, which is what's the most underrated comic you've read? Yeah, I think it's the most underrated. I don't ever hear anyone talk about it enough, Um, which annoys me. And I've actually been in the the pinups for one of these comics as well, which is... uh, Right. Not to blow my own trumpet, but, you know. Nah, I'm in there. <laughs> I'm in one <laughs> That's of them. awesome, mate. Yeah, I'm in one of them somewhere. Um, the comic uh, I think is most underrated is Rumble, uh, mm. especially the run that's got James Haran uh, as the artist. I think it's the first three volumes. Right. Um, they're just incredible. Like, John Arcudi, again, a super cool guy. I, get to talk, I talk to him online every now and again. He's... Like you send him artwork and letters, and you put some in the in the comic, and 
he's always really lovely and complimentary and gives you tips and if you've got any questions about anything he's always like straight back at you with like answers and stuff but i mean i read i remember reading rumble um and just being absolutely blown away by james hiram's line work and his inks and i was like this is my goal like just to get as loose as possible to be as free as i can on the page to experiment with textures and color and he like fuses graphic and typography and visual language together so well Mm. that you just you just can't beat it and the storyline of it being so like for those that don't know um there's this dude called bobby he's just kind of i don't know i guess he's kind of he's kind of a bit bored or he's just you know he's constantly a bit down um but he's this kind of uh, guy who works in a bar and then Rathrak, the scarecrow warrior, smashes him through the pub and chaos is just from then on unleashed onto the world. Wow. Uh, and Rathrak is this uh, husk of, um, of a champion warrior from back in the day. And you basically follow um, Rathrak and Bobby through their kind of uh, war against the Isu. Um, and I won't say too much more on that, but it's basically for these like weird little Isu monsters and Haran's illustrations and monster creations and character creations are just flipping incredible. So like every time I was turning a page, I was just like, oh man, I wish you could draw monsters like this or, oh man, I wish you could draw movement like this or, you know, like it just, it's just incredible. Like, you know, and it's moved on again now. I think it's like volume five, I think it's on now, but they've got a new, I think Dave Stewart's doing the artwork now. Mm. Um, and it's still really good. It's not the same as James Horan, um, because his stuff is a little bit more kind of, what's the word? It's less dark. Like, I guess because James Horan did loads of stuff on, um, I think it's BPRD and Hellboy and stuff like that, didn't he? I think. Um, I think that he's naturally got that kind of like dark, deep kind of style to his illustration where it's always loads of action lines and loads of kind of aggression and stuff going on and just suits the world. And I think when you've got him and Arcudi have done a few books together for mm. Mike Magnolia and people like that, and I think Arcudi and Haran together are just so good. And I think whenever... Yeah, whenever I meet people that like comics or friends of mine that are like, oh, I'd like to read a comic because you lend us a couple. I'm always like, right, Rumble, one to three, eat that. You're going to love it. And everyone always comes back with like, oh, yeah, amazing. What else is there? And I'm like, right, this, 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 this. So, yeah, Rumble, man, it's like, it's just. I read it. Yeah, it's adrenaline. It's wicked. Eat it. Live it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> I should write um, these down. I've got some great one liners here I could put in freedom. Jesus. Oh, straight up, mate. Yeah. Up. yeah. Excellent. Um, so we come to the uh, to the one of the most difficult questions. Yes. Um, for you, what's the best comic of all time? It isn't difficult for me this one at really? all. Yeah, as soon as you were like, "What's well, I'm like headlopper. Yeah, I know exactly what that is. Yeah, it's like done. I don't. I. It's easy. It's headlopper. Headlopper, 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 headlopper. It's the only right. comic that I wait a whole flipping year for the collected volume to come out 
for. Brilliant. And I and I like hide myself away from the pages uh, yeah. that that you put that um, the clean puts on online, and I know that it comes out like quarterly, and I know I could buy it quarterly, but I like to read it in the volume, and I always put yeah. my pre-orders in, and I get, and when it arrives, I get, I'm so excited, and I've read volume one and two. Well, last time when volume two came out last year. I read volume one like a couple of times before it came out. So I could really, I was like so studious in what's going on. Mm. And then uh, now I've been, I think I've read one and two every month. I read one and two and that's just, wow, I, that's brilliant. I love it. It's not just the uh, story and like mm. Norgal and Agatha Blue, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. It's just the way it's written and he's like drawing style and how he paces the comic and there's so much learning you can do from um, Andrew McLean's stuff and like Mike Spice's colouring and stuff. It's just like, it's just the best. It's so good. It's just painfully good. And, and like he does things where he'll just use like an outline and put a few little white flecks in and like a little uh, Y shape an upside down Y and it's like that's his kind of face at a distance and you're like ah oh, it's just achingly simply beautiful mm-hmm. you know it's just so good at just like toning it all down and then when there's like an action scene he you just he just manages to get all this emotion and this kind of movement going on but then with not like tons and tons of line work like he's not like James Harlan where he's putting loads of lines and it's just like chaos going on. There's still that going on, but it's so clean and it's so poetic, you know, and you just, every time I read it, I'm just even more, I just love it. This headlock is just so good. If you, if no one's read headlopper, then they should have their head locked. That is how I feel. <laughs> That's how good it is. It's genius. Um, uh, and before we decapitate everybody, uh, what's, what, no one's what, read it. You saying no? <laughs> I am the only person to headlock. I'm only floating the idea out there that, that some people out there might not have read it. <laughs> we don't like those people doing. <laughs> that's Sorry. true. That's true. Um, that's and we will, and we will, and we will send them to the guillotine. But yeah. uh, just just before they go, um, yeah. what's the what's the setting for Headlopper? All oh, right, so um, Norgal is this um, kind of like Viking warrior dude who um, goes uh, around the Isles of Barra that's overrun with beasts um, to basically sever heads and kill things. And he's got um, this severed head um, of Agatha Bloomwich, who's he constantly carries around, but you don't know why yet. Um, and she's constantly berating him and like calling him like large ass and things like that and he gets really angry with her and he'll like throw her head like miles and she'll land in like a corpse's kind of blooded body and she'll say something really grim um and so yeah you basically uh follow these two um characters around the arse of barra um and he's trying to um from memory i'm having to dive into my memory now um but basically he goes to take on the sorcerer of the black bog right um and they uh basically yeah just on this huge quest around the island to um yeah i guess release the island from this uh horrific sorcerer yeah and it's really cool because you follow uh, as you go around 
you see the map of where you are on on the aisle great uh, and so you're constantly just following this this kind of this story the whole way and you mean all these characters but it's like the writing is just genius it's like um you know be like this isn't quoted i'm making this up now this what i'm about mm. to say isn't scripted from the book it's just i'm doing like a what it's like but it'd be like for example like you know um uh like ah Norgal, son of thanos like mother to a slain baby um <laughs> dog to a like magic mushroom how is the you know it's that kind of like weird trippy <laughs> Vikingish sort of huge greetings and they have this like they kind of talk like that the whole way through it and it's just lovely because it's rather than it being like uh like a viking-esque adventure comic with just kind of modern day sort of uh language it's like got kind of old style sort of language if that makes sense it's written like kind of old old school i guess yeah describe that but um yeah just the way it's written is just brilliant you know like and you think to yourself like because the thing is andrew mclean is writing it illustrating it you know so it's not like someone else has written it and gone this is what i think it should sound like he's kind of like this guy yeah, okay. and he's just doing it all himself and he said he, he i've read a few places where he said there's going to be eight volumes wow like that was when number two was coming out you know? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So you had it all mapped out. Well, well yeah. You know, you're like, you're, you're mad. That's eight years. That's eight years of your life. <laughs> That's insane. You know, it's just, I mean, to be fair, I did have a conversation with someone at True Believers where I was talking about a similar subject, and I said that he's a madman. And then he said, what have you got going on? I said, well, I've got this one and that one, and I've got these three lined up, and I've got this one at the end of that. And they're like, it's that six years. And I went, oh, no, I'm doing a headlopper. <laughs> just realizing yeah yeah it dawns me but like he's building this world i mean i'm so excited for the next volume um i, th- I don't know when it comes out i think i'm hoping it's march because i'm you know i'm getting a little bit withdrawal syndrome yeah exactly <laughs> you know, just just need a little bit bit more goodness but um yeah headlock check it out yeah. um and uh you might have just answered this question, uh, but uh, if you could take one comic from this uh, from this list into the apocalypse with you, which would it be? Um, Big Trouble Volume Four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Headlopper all day long. Brilliant. Because I could use it. I could learn how to fight like Norgal as well at the same well. time. You know, like Mr Miyagi style, like how to do kung fu. It'd be like how to take heads off. <laughs> not that that's important prob- because it's not well, a you're probably going to need well yeah but you still want to make sure <laughs> you're grim dude you're, I get what you're saying you're like you know <laughs> there's a can of beans between us exactly. take my head basically <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it yeah I'm rocking yeah <laughs> Fantastic. We, we're going to clean up on the uh, M3, M4 corridor. Um, yeah, yeah. Easy. Beat you in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, see you in Reading. <laughs> the final showdown. <laughs> oh, yeah, Reading, the final yeah. showdown. Yeah. Yeah, big trouble <laughs> in Little Reading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, along with your, uh, with your volumes of Headlopper, 
Yes. Um, and we can wait until they're all out before the apocalypse starts, before the asteroid hits. So, yeah. you know, you've got a few more years left. Um, and uh, along with that, uh, what weapon, tool or useful item are you going to take in with you? I'm going to take a mother flipping axe, yo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a double-headed axe or... No, I mean, like I don't like a, I feel like that's a little bit compensation, bit isn't it? You know, I don't need that. I just need, I need a long wooden shaft uh, with a, a nice sharp head on it. Uh, so yeah, that's why I'd have a big ass axe. Because um, like, cool. I could, the way I see it is, I could chop wood, so I could make huts and shelters and stuff out of it, and help you know make fire. If I bust a leg up or something, I could use it as a prop. Or like a stick yeah. to walk. Um, I could use it to kill people, obviously. Um, and I mean, you know, I don't need a can opener. I can just, as discussed, I can just lop the heads of the cans off. I think mean, I do that. Um, <laughs> I mean, if I had a melon, I could chop that with the axe. Be a bit messy, but I could do it. Um, my wife loves melons, so um, yeah, I could just just do that. And um, yeah, I could kill animals of it so I could uh yeah make a bit of supper take out a deer or two um yeah I think an axe all day long I'd love to love to see you hunt a deer with an axe <laughs> that'd be amazing just this massive axe flying at, through the yeah, woods I'm actually pretty good at axe throwing like I'm, oh, I'm brilliant a, you've done yeah, it pretty, great yeah I'm pretty good at that but so you are trained that's good yeah I mean to throw one and hit a deer <laughs> might be out of my remit a little bit could, well, you know you gotta try Living there, yeah. mate. Probably take on squirrels to start with. You know, like when they're on the tree, they're looking side to side. <laughs> it's going to make it take... explode. Yeah, it'd be more of a stew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Um, but uh, that's fantastic. So, yeah, you've headed into the into the apocalypse with your volumes of headlopper and a big axe. Um, yeah. And uh, I, we, I wish you well on your oh, your adventures in the apocalypse. And uh, yeah. thank you so much for being on the on the show today daryl oh it's been hilarious it's been great fun um i think it's been the best one yet I I, 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 <laughs> yeah i'll go with that <laughs> as he crosses his fingers and shakes his head furiously at his wife <laughs> that, I, they're, they're like children i love them all the same all oh, um, right yeah equally um all the episodes are, are equally brilliant um, because it is, it, honestly, it's it's really fascinating to kind of see everybody's uh, taste. And although you kind of there's there's like a little bit of overlap, there isn't yeah. actually as much overlap as I thought there was going to be. Like right. people's answers are so vastly different. It's amazing. Well, when you had Tony on, I mean, I knew when Dan was going to be on from the Awesome Pod that it was going to yeah. go, you know, his crowbars like, yeah, <laughs> dude, it's like ready once an apocalypse. Um, and then, like, Tony's, like, the knowledge. That's what I call him. He's, he's like, Straight the up. knowledge, isn't he? Yeah. And when he was talking, um, if we have a chat, I'm always like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm out of my depth. I'm out of my depth here, Tony. Yeah. And every time he goes on podcasts, I love it, because you can hear the people presenting the podcast frantically probably thinking, like, Google this, Google Because <laughs> he's naturally legend. Like, he's such a... And he's such a lovely guy as well. Like, you can just yeah. ask him anything on Twitter and he'll just be like, oh, yeah, you want to read this? Or, oh, I think that was Arc 7, blah, blah, blah. And make sure you get this version and not that version. And you're like, oh, nice one, Tony. Like, Incredible. 
Yeah, he's like a comics Google, isn't he? Oh, proper. Yeah, he is the Oracle. Mega. So, but no, I've really enjoyed the series. I think it's wicked. Um, long may it continue, sir. Yeah, I hope so. I'm um, going to keep it going as long as I can, for sure. Um, and uh, just just for the listeners, uh, yeah. one more time, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram um, under Mr. Forp, that's Mr. F-O-R-P-E, and they can see some cool shizzle online at 4p.co.uk, yeah. Awesome. Nice one, Daryl. I do. Take it easy. Bye, now. You too, dude. Bye. Thanks again to Daryl for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was super-duper fun. If you enjoyed the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps others become aware of the show as well. Also, if you'd like to check out Daryl's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, that was my phone. I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.